Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Good evening. I was going to sing a solo, but uh, it had to be so low that no one could hear me. It would be the only way I could sing one. Even though I do have people ask me if I can sing, I don't know if it's my deep voice or I had a couple people on the trip say, can't you, you can sing, can't you? And I said, no. I can make a joyful noise unto the Lord, but you don't, you don't really want to hear me sing unless it's in the shower. Amen. Uh, I know this is... Uh, a number of classes that we had, and you've seen these, and we've talked about them, but I do want to remind you again. Of course, this is a book that we're using on the study course, Helping Others Overcome Addiction. We're out of them presently, but if, if you're interested in more, or if you had somebody ask you about one, or you want to get one to give us a gift for Christmas, if you let us know, we can order some more, but at the present time, we're completely out, but let us know if you would like one. Also, the uh, devotional book, I highly recommend it for a uh, Christmas gift. Um, I've given several of them away. In fact, every, well, I, I take that back. I do have two still at home, but uh, I've given several away. And I'm using one myself, so buy one for yourself. Get one to give away, and it'll be a blessing to you. They're $15, and it's just a tremendous uh, resource to uh, help us understand who we are in Christ. And also, don't forget the handouts again. I could pull them out, but you see them on the back table. It's a testimony from uh, Brother Mike. Uh, a testimony from his wife, and then the book there on Victorious Christian Living. In fact, the um, chapter that we're going to study tonight, um, you could take that little Victorious Christian Living book back there, and it kind of mirrors what we're going to go over tonight. So it's uh, kind of in a nutshell, who you are in Christ, what's been done through Christ, and the finished work, and it'd be an excellent book not only to meditate on, but also to give that one as a gift uh, for Christmas as well. Well, let's pray. Then we're going to get started. I'm going to move quick tonight. We've got uh, a lot to cover. <laughs> I'm going to try to uh, wrap things up in the next few weeks. And uh, so I think if we pick it, pace up just a little bit, I'm going to stick as close as I can to my notes. And we're going to get a lot covered tonight. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you, Lord, that the word is anointing. The word contains power to set us free, to heal, to deliver. I thank you, Father, that Jesus is the word. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is our teacher tonight. So as we open our hearts, open our minds to receive, Father, I thank you that we are taught of the Holy Spirit, that revelation comes, that illumination comes, Father, that we're not just hearers, but we're doers of what we hear, Father God, and we apply it to our lives and we see ourselves in you, Father God, that we've died, we've been born again, raised from the dead, we're seated together with you tonight in heavenly places, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to start tonight in uh, lesson number four, and it's called The Birthright of a child of God. He got it ready. He has got it ready. Amen. So we're going to begin there. And uh, as I've already mentioned, uh, you know, a lot of things that we'll discuss are uh, familiar, things that we've heard, things that pastors taught us. But you know, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Amen. So we need to be reminded and stirred and uh, encouraged in these things. And not only, um, you know, I've mentioned this before, we may not be dealing with uh, a cocaine addiction or 
you know, we may not have an addiction where we eat to, I know Pastor used an example one time that he saw a lady on TV that was addicted to washing powders. She had to eat a little bit of washing powder, <laughs> powders every day. We may not have an addiction like that, but you know, the truths that we're studying and we're meditating upon, these are things that we can apply to our everyday life to be successful and to live a victorious Christian's life because it truly is finished in Christ, but we have to see ourselves in him. Amen. That it's not us and our ability, but we're hid in him and we've got a new life that's in him. I got my Bible because I do want to read uh, one scripture before we get started. Go to uh, Colossians chapter two real quick. It's going to lay a foundation for what we're uh, looking at tonight. Colossians chapter two. And while you're turning there, I want to give you a good report. I'm uh, continuing to get good reports from uh, Bangladesh. Uh, they've developed several follow-up teams, and they had over 20,000 names. I don't know. I think I mentioned that Sunday. They have uh, over 20,000 names that they gathered from the festivals that we had. And uh, let me find a Colossians chapter 2. And uh, they began the follow-up, and what's happening is they've gone in these villages and there may not be but one person from the family that actually came to the festival. But as they go into the homes by the one contact that they had, they're going in and presenting the gospel again. And as they're presented again, the entire family uh, is getting saved. And people are getting healed and uh, delivered. And it's just growing and growing and going through. I think Julia read something to me that there was a church that uh, doubled in size in one day. They had 17 members. And uh, after the festival and they had the next service, they had 17 more members. And uh, so I believe revival continues. And I had a little gentleman call me today on Facebook <laughs> from Bangladesh, one of our interpreters. He is so excited. He, uh, I thought he was going to cry over the phone. He's just uh, so excited about what, what God is doing, so thankful. So, uh, and God's wanting to do the same thing in Alabama, amen, amen. as we share with uh, those that need to hear the truth. And that's what we're discussing tonight. This is freedom. What we're talking about is freedom, Amen. And there's so many people bound to different things, and they are, Christ has already provided freedom. It's already done, but we are his hands and his feet and his mouthpiece that takes freedom to the world. So Colossians chapter 2, let's read uh, a couple of verses, chap, uh, verse 6. It says, As you therefore have received Christ the Lord, so walk ye in him, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Verse 9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you're complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Verse 12, You're buried with him in his baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Now I want you to see that he's forgiven all of them. And all means all. That means ones that you've done in the past. It means ones you may have committed today. And he's already paid the price for the ones that you'll commit in the future. And he's already paid the price for them. Yeah. Amen. And it says, and you, you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he took it out of the way and he nailed it to the cross. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Um, I like the, the uh, Amplified version right here, verse 14. It says, having canceled and blotted out and wiped away the handwriting, the note, the bond with its legal decrees and demands, which was in force and stood against us, it was hostile toward us. 
This note with its regulations and decrees and demands, he set aside and cleared completely out of the way by nailing it to his cross. God disarmed the principalities and the powers that were ranged against us. And he made a bold display and public example of them and triumphing over them in him and it in on the cross. And I've said this before, but I've got it inked in on my Bible here that he took our sin away and he destroyed the evidence. He destroyed all evidence that we've ever been a sinner. He destroyed all evidence that we've ever separated from him. Amen. He destroyed all evidence that we had an old man because <laughs> we're new in him. We're new creations in him. He destroyed the evidence and he actually destroyed the guilty party and he made a brand new man. It's kind of like you were on trial and you were 100% guilty, but Jesus came in and he destroyed the guilty party. Uh, there's one part we read in our study that we were so bad he had to take us and, and kill, put us in Jesus, Jesus and kill us when Jesus was killed because we couldn't be made better. We just had to be destroyed. And he made a brand new man that was brand new, recreated in Christ Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. So let's get started here. It says, uh, God has already provided everything we need to be free in Christ. Freedom is our birthright and don't settle for less. The primary reason that a lot of Christians are not experiencing their freedom in Christ is that they don't know who they are in Christ and what they have in Christ. They're trying to become someone that they already are. You know someone that's ever been to, to try to become righteous, to try to do things to make God like them more. You know, if I could just do some more things to get God to, to love me just a little bit more, if I read my Bible a little bit more this week. All those things are good, and they'll produce fruit. Reading your Bible will do what? It'll produce fruit. Feeding on the word, it'll renew your mind. It's, it's things that are good, but those things doesn't get God to love us anymore. He already loves us. Amen? Nothing that we can do. So some people are trying to do things that they are, to make themselves something they already are. It's kind of like a, a monkey doing things, that's, you know, hoping they can make them more of a monkey. Well, they're already a monkey. God made them a monkey. Doesn't matter how many bananas they eat, they're still a monkey. No matter if they eat one or a hundred or a thousand bananas, they're still a monkey. And they monkey around, they, and, you know. And a sinner is what? A sinner is a sinner. That's what they do is they sin, but we're not sinners any longer. We're brand new creations in Christ. We're dead to sin and we're freed from it. Amen. So we're not trying to uh, be something that we already are. We're, we're, we've already been made free. And we've been made, it says that we're trying to be something we already are, which is righteous, and trying to get something they've already been given, which is the freedom from sin. The primary weapon Satan has is deception. To deceive. To get us to believe something that's not true. That's his primary weapon. He's the father of lies and he's convinced many Christians that they are not free and they believe the lie and they live in bondage. So that's the whole key to every, the whole study that we're studying. The whole key to it is this, that freedom has already been provided. Freedom is already given. Freedom has already been bought and paid for and it belongs to us. The prison door is open and what are we doing still inside? Amen. Brother Hagin, I believe, wrote a book with that title, a little mini book. It said, the prison door is open. What are you still doing inside? But Satan has deceived people. He's fed them a lie. And even sometimes we have to be careful as believers that have been taught, we have to be careful not to believe lies. You know, maybe we've dealt with a sickness or, or maybe we've had a debt for a long time and so it would just seem like this debt will never go away. Or this seemed like I'll never get this paid off or I'll never get, you know, ahead a, a in, in my financial Ram, or, you know, we hear the scripture that he became poor so that we could be made rich, but it seemed like nothing's changing. Well, are we going to believe the circumstance or what it seems like, or do we believe what the word of God says? Do we really believe that he became poor? 
He took our poverty so that we could be made rich. Do we really believe that he became sick and our sickness was put upon him? He bore our sickness and disease. Amen. Amen. And that we're healed in Christ Jesus. It's a finished work. So he's the father of lies. He's convinced many Christians that they're not free and that they believe a lie and they live in bondage. The devil, now this is a scripture, John 8, 44. Is that up there? I don't believe that's up there. John 8, 44 says the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. This is the NIV language. When the devil speaks, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when he talks, he can't even speak the truth. Anything he says is a lie. <laughs> so you can tell him, say, devil, you're a lie. And remind him <laughs> when he says what he's going to do, he said, no, you're a lie. Right. Amen. So what we'll cover in, this, in uh, tonight's lesson, we're not going to get to all these, but we're going to get to as many as we can. Why Christians aren't free. How do we see ourselves experiencing what is true in our death and burial and resurrection with Christ? And what do we die to? What do we die to? We're going, we're going to talk about that. The only answer that will work, uh, what you believe determines your behavior. Man's answer for addiction, God's answer for addiction, the step of faith, where you are and where your problems, uh, where are your problems. And the last one is we have it all. First, we'll begin with why Christians aren't free. They believe the lie that they are addicts. And we've talked about this, you know, when people go to the AA meetings, and uh, they stand up and they confess it, that I am an overcoming, a recovering alcoholic or a recovering addict. Well, in Christ Jesus, we're not an overcoming addict. Amen. We've been set free. So it's about an identity. But that's why Christians don't get free as they believe the lie that they're still an addict. They don't believe that they're dead to sin and freed from it. They believe that the door to freedom is locked. And they believe that there's something they must do to open it. And see, we have to be careful about this. We have to be careful. That's the reason I'm saying this. Not just for people that's, you know, addicted to cocaine or something that the world looks at and thinks, man, that's just terrible. You know, that, how can they do that? Well, God loves each and every one of us the same. A sin is a sin. An addiction, you know, you can have an addiction to, you know, a smart mouth. <laughs> or addiction to turkey, I don't know. <laughs> so we can apply these things to our life. But people think there's something they have to do to open the door. But the door's already open. Amen? Amen? Glory to God. He provided our freedom. The solution is not to do something, but believe the truth. See, our happiness is found in Christ, and our joy is found in Christ, and our fulfillment is found in Christ. And there's nothing that we can do, you know, there's nothing that we can work up in our ability or our strength to get, you know, to create more happiness in our life. Our happiness only comes from Him. Amen? Our fulfillment only comes from our relationship with Christ. So the solution is not to do something, but believe the truth. What does Christ say about us? What's he already declared in his word? What's a promise that belongs to me, to you? And we claim those promises and believe the truth. He's trying to be uh, somebody that he already is. We've already mentioned that, that is righteous. He's trying to get something he has, which is freedom from sin and freedom from addictive behavior. It's not trying to get something or obtain. We just have to believe what's already done and receive it. That's all as simple as it is, is believe, and receive what he's already done. We've used this example before, but Harry Houdini, the famed magician of the early 1900s, claimed that he could be locked in any jail in any country and escape. He always kept his promise, but one time something went wrong. He took a piece of metal 
and he, he would go into the cells and take him a, a little piece of metal and he would pick the locks or form the metal to get into the lock and he could get out of any one he'd ever been put in. But this particular time, something happened. He worked and he worked about two hours of just toiling and working and trying to get it. He got frustrated. It didn't work. It wasn't open. And just in exhaustion, he threw down the metal and he leaned up against the door just in exhaustion. When he did, the door swung open. And, it, and the thing of it was, it, it had been unlocked the entire time. It was already unlocked. But in his mind, it was locked and that kept him from opening it and walking it free, walking free from it. So in his mind, he believed the door was locked, but it was open. So he never tried. He never walked out in his freedom. So if we're already free, do we see that as long as we're trying to get free, we'll never, never experience freedom? We're already free, but if we're trying to do something to get free, we'll never experience true freedom that already belongs to us. We live by faith believing and trusting that Christ is our life and that we're dead to sin and freed from sin. Christ is our life. Amen. Amen. But I don't feel dead to sin. And I don't act dead to sin. <laughs> That's just a positional truth. This is what a lot of times people use as an excuse when you talk about in Christ realities and the way that God, uh, you know, the, the, the finished work of Christ. They say, well, that's just the way that God sees me. It's not really true, but that's just the way God views me. That's what is the, the example he's using here. That's just a positional truth. That's just what God says. It's only how God sees me. But the truth is what God says regardless of our feelings. The truth is what God says regardless of how we feel. Amen. Regardless of what we've done. Regardless of how we've missed it. Regardless of what other people say. But reality is how God sees us regardless of our actions. The truth is that we've, we've been made free in Christ. The truth is that we've been forgiven regardless of our actions. <laughs> they give you something to chew on there. 29 years ago, I believe this is Brother Mike talking here. He says, 29 years ago, I found freedom from addiction as I listened to Bill Gillum teach on Romans chapter 6 that we're dead to sin. I remember thinking that... that uh, that's just what God says. It's just how God sees me. He was thinking the same thing. He said, well, this is just, you know, a nice little cliche or something that people, you know, in the, in the church say that that's just how God sees me. That I'm free in him and that's how he sees me. <laughs> but then, then he said it hit me. The truth is what God says, regardless of my feelings. The reality is how God sees me, regardless of my actions. When I understood the truth of Galatians 2.20, that my old self was crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ was living in me, I knew in that moment I was dead to sin and freed from it and freed from addiction. He was an alcoholic. But he said in that moment, he said, when I realized that truth and I received the revelation that I was really free already in Christ, that Christ was living in me, he said at that moment is when I became free. He was made free when Christ died on the cross. Amen. And was raised again from the dead. But he said when he when he got a revelation of it, he said that he was that's when his freedom came. It was manifested to him. So there's nothing to do. Jesus has already done it. It was finished. And all that we have to do to get free. And to stop sinning shows that we don't believe that the truth set us free. I'm going to read that one more time. All that we do to get free. Anything that we do in our ability to try to get free from something and to stop sinning shows that we don't believe the truth. That it's the truth that sets us free. If it's something that we do in our own works, we just have to believe it and receive it. It's a free gift. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And let that grace and his ability 
empower us to walk free. So how do we see ourselves? Is our identity based on our experience or on our uh, emotions? Is our identity based on our experiences or on our emotions or is it based on the finished work of Christ? Where does our identity come from? Do you feel dead to sin? Do, you experience, do your experiences tell you that you're dead to sin? Perhaps you used to be a sex addict, a thief, an adulterer, a homosexual, or a drunkard. But that is who you were and something drastic has happened. So when we come into Christ, there's something, you know, we, I know everybody here understands that. But when we come into Christ and we get born again, we're brand new Christians in Christ. It's not just, you know, as Pastor said, we didn't turn over a new leaf. You know, that we didn't get a new, new fresh coat of paint and just kind of dress us up. I mean, we became brand new, something that never even existed before. Amen? Brand new creations in Christ. Now I'm going to read this chapter. Is that verse up there? First Corinthians? Yeah, First Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11 says, But do not be deceived, neither sexual, immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. See, so when we got born again, something drastic happened. This list right here may include some people that you've talked to. Amen? May include somebody, some of us here. But that's not who we are now. That's who we might have been, but that old man's dead. He doesn't even live anymore. He doesn't even exist. You can't even find him. You can't even put him back together if you tried to. Amen? He's been obliterated and annihilated. It doesn't even exist. So as evangelicals, we've done what we accuse the... <laughs> He gets a little political here. He says what we accuse the liberals of doing by uh, living by how they feel. He said, I know I'm dead to sin because I feel dead to sin. Who can say that? Not too many people. Can you say that, that you know you're dead to sin because you feel dead to sin? Do we always feel dead to sin? <laughs> Do you ever stub your toe in the middle of the night and, and have some feelings arise? <laughs> Amen. We don't always feel dead to sin. And who can say this? I know I'm dead to sin because I always act dead to sin. Do we always act like we're dead to sin? Have we ever had any behavior that might not have been the best behavior? So we don't always act dead to sin. No one can, do, uh, no one can say that or do that because our feelings and experiences tell us we are very much alive to sin in the flesh. And many of us are, are mired in addiction and living in misery and despair. Now I know we're there again that we're... Uh, there's a lot of people, and as we teach, teach this class in other places, that there'll be people that are dealing with other addictions and serious addictions. But it says here that we're mired in addiction, living in misery and despair. They don't see any hope. They don't see any way out. We sin because we regard ourselves by our flesh and behavior rather than by who we are in Christ. That's why we sin, because we regard ourselves by our flesh and behavior rather than who we are in Christ. The flesh is not who we are. The flesh is simply memory patterns. Now listen to this. The flesh is not who we are, but the flesh is simply memory patterns of how we met our basic needs apart from Christ. Before we came to Christ, we had certain things that we would do to maybe the add, we thought it added joy to our life. Or, you know, I remember as a young kid, uh, all the things were going on in my family life. I, I would get together with those kids older than me that lived in my neighborhood, and they introduced me to things I shouldn't have been messing with and alcohol, and I would. For a short period of time when I drank some alcohol and I would forget feelings that I had. I'd forget some things were going on in my home. I'd forget the fact that I hadn't seen my dad in, you know, in two or three weeks or longer. And uh, 
and it helped. But see, those are flesh patterns, and there's a lot of people today that has things that they remember that, that uh, before they came to Christ, it was simply patterns of how they met their basic needs before they came to Christ. And what happens is when pressure gets put on, or when they go through a bad situation, or they get fired from the job, or maybe the bills doesn't seem like they're mad, or whatever the case may be, then they, the flesh wants to revert back to what they did before they came to Christ to meet a basic need. But that's not how they're met. We have lived in bondage for years. The people, people that did this and met their needs apart from Christ says, we have lived in bondage for years, but that's who we were and not who we are. Amen? That's who we used to be, and we can't take our identity from that. That's who we used to be, but that's not who we are now. We're free in Christ. Amen. One thing that Brother Mike did when he was on his way to Chattanooga, this is when his wife kicked him out. It was like the last straw. It was over. Leave. You know, and he said, really, that was the best thing that ever happened to him when she said leave. And, um, and on his way to Chattanooga, he said his last friend in the world, he got a tape by Bill Gillum. And uh, it was on freedom in Christ and the finished work of Christ and who we are in Christ. And that's what he said when he finally realized that freedom had already been, already been provided Instead of just looking at it as, well, that's just the way God sees me or the way God thinks about me, whatever, he finally realized that it is true. It is a fact. I am free. I have been forgiven. Then all of a sudden, as Pastor said, he realized that, and that's when the behavior pattern began to change. He didn't change the behavior first. See, and that's what the body of Christ is trying to do is they try to change behavior. But it's not the behavior you change what we believe first and get a revelation of who we are in Christ first and the new birth. Then the behavior will begin to change. And if we judge people, if, we take, if you take a homosexual, for instance, and you begin to judge a homosexual by what they do, is it wrong? Yes, it's wrong. If they don't repent and receive the, the new life of Christ and what Christ provided, will they go to hell? Yes, they will. But if you go in there and just blast them out of the water and tell them how dirty, rotten scum they are and, that, you know, and what they're doing is going to send them straight to hell, you can tell them the truth, but we can tell them the truth in love and you can tell them what's been provided for them. I had an experience like that a few, weeks, uh, a few months ago. And I didn't blow him out of the water. I told him the truth. But I provided some scripture and provided a way. And I did it in a way to where the door was open. If he wants freedom, freedom's there and ready for him. Amen. So, uh, but what Mike said, his own testimonies, he said his own church brought him before the church and judged him before his church. And his own pastor told him that he must not be saved anymore. And, this, and he was a pastor uh, that became an alcoholic. And he said he went through every... Uh, addiction program you could imagine he did he's got a list of a hundred things that he did I mean they cast the devils out of him they did I mean, all kind of things and he said I know the whole time I was saved he said I knew I was born again but I just didn't understand that freedom had already been provided he didn't have an understanding that a revelation of it he wasn't walking in it amen and uh, so there'll be some flesh patterns there and that's what it just said here the flesh is simply memory patterns of how we met our basic needs apart from Christ so our job is is to to build people up, our job is to, to share the truth, to share the good news, to tell them that they've been made free, what's, what's Christ provided for them. And, uh, and, and our job is not to clean them up. <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't catch fish that are clean. Right. We catch the fish and let God clean them up. Right. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Pastor. That's, that's good. No, it was good. Because I know there's, uh, I've actually had people use that same scripture right there to try to come against some things I've talked concerning grace. But you also notice the, hat, the part there that he pointed out that that's, uh, that's what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So that's not who you are. And even if those things happen again, as Pastor said, if it's like a wasp returning to its nest, if there's still some traces 
uh, you know, if it's a, a prostitute that got born again, well, you know, when she needs some money, there's going to be a temptation there in her flesh because the way that she met her needs is she's going to be tempted to go back to make some money because that's what she's done for years. If they've got a mouth that just speaks and talks dirty language, then there's going to be a habit there that uh, is not just going to stop just because you got born again. Like Brother Hagin said, if you had, you know, freckles when you got saved, before you got saved, you still have freckles. If you had gray hair before you got saved, you still got gray hair, unless you put something on it. Amen. And I'm thinking about doing that right, right in here. Amen. So, thank God for freedom. Uh, you got chapter 6 verse 1 at the top yeah so this is uh, make sure I got my page right yeah it says what shall we say then shall we go on sinning that grace may increase by no means we died to sin and how can we live in it any longer how do you know that all of you, uh, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized in his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. See, and that's what we're trying to help not only for us to see and to live in and walk in, but to help others to see that when they become brand new cre uh, creations in Christ, brand new creatures in Christ and born again, and they receive the nature of God, that they've been made free from sin. They're no longer slaves to sin any longer. But that doesn't mean that, that they're just going to, you know, drop all the habits just like that and, and you know, it doesn't mean that. There's still traces there. There's a flesh there that's going to try to meet those needs. But we can say, hey, the only way that need's going to be met is in Christ. The only way freedom comes is through the freedom that Christ has provided. And as we tell them who, who they are and build them up, tell them how much God loves them. Tell them that they're accepted. Tell them that they're righteous and holy without blame. I sent a text today before church to someone that I know they're not. I know for a fact. I know 110% for a fact they're not doing According to, if you want to judge somebody, they're not doing the right things tonight. I know they had not been living right the past several weeks, if whatever you want to call living right. I know they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. It's harmful to them, themselves, and their family. But I sent a text to them, and I said, I want you to know that in Christ, you're free. And that in Christ, you're without blame. You're holy, and you're righteous. Because Jesus became what we were so that we could be made what he is. And there's nothing you can do to become righteous, and there's nothing that you've done that, that can take away your righteousness. Righteousness in Christ because I know they're born again. And I sent that text to them to encourage them. So, because see, when uh, it makes me think about Reverend Scales, a lot of you remember him, and he made a statement that said that love shows people a way out. Yeah. See, when you love on somebody and you love them the way Christ loves us, it show them, shows them a way to come out of their sin. But condemnation just pushes them down and pushes them down and pushes them down. Yeah. There's no way for them to see that uh, Christ has provided a way out. Amen. So because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So we're, we've died in Christ. Amen. Notice that all the verses that, are in, that, are, that we just read are in past tense. It is finished. There's nothing for you to do. Our freedom has been provided. It's an accomplished fact. It's a done deal. We know and believe the truth of what Christ has accomplished on the cross. 
who we are and what we have as a result of the finished work, then and only then will we experience freedom from addiction. We are set free when we believe the truth. And I highlighted that, put little stars beside it. We are set free when we believe the truth. Amen. Amen. That we've been crucified with Christ. The truth of this, that we've been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in us. We're dead to sin and freed from sin. And Christ is our life. And we are one with him, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Freedom in Christ. It has been accomplished. We on the same page? It has been accomplished. A fact that we believe, not to achieve, but to believe and to receive. Our birthright as a child of God and as part of the package. <laughs> it's a package deal. You know, I know sometimes you go on a vacation and you have a vacation package. It may, you know, include an excursion or if you go on a cruise or whatever, they may have a somewhere you stop off an island and have an excursion or a meal or whatever planned. And that's part of the package deal. Or maybe you buy, buy a vehicle and they say, well, you have this package or that package or whatever. So, and it, it comes, of course, you're going to pay for it, but it comes with a package. Well, when you get born again and Christ has paid the price, then our freedom is part of the package. Amen. Amen. It's a birthright as a child of God. <laughs> anyone who has died, Romans 6, 7, anyone who has died has been freed from sin and the effects of sin. Amen. And from the fact that sin no longer has dominion over us. It's no longer our master. See, we need to boldly confess that sin is no longer our master. Amen. Freedom from addiction is not something to work for or to attain or to achieve. Freedom from addiction has been given to you and is for you to believe and to receive. Those two statements right there are powerful to help people overcome addiction. It's not something to, to, to work for, or try to obtain if I can just reach this goal or reach this mark. It's not something to achieve, but it's something that's been given to you and it's for you to believe and to receive. And about the point that Pastor brought out a little while ago, that's not, a, you know, it's not identifying by their works or by their sin, but it's helping them change their belief on the inside. Amen. We change the belief, it changes the actions. Amen. When they believe who they are in Christ. So if you're working to get something that's been given to you, it's futile and frustrating. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the, to the law. That's Galatians 5.1. When you try to do right and avoid sin and get free, you put yourself back under the law. <laughs> Amen. When you try to do right and avoid sin and get free, you put yourself back under the law. The law is a ministry of death and condemnation. According to 2 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7, and it stirs up sinful passions. For, for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions were aroused by the law. They were at work in our members to bear fruit of death. Do so you realize that? When we were apart from Christ and we were living under the law, the law stirred up our sinful passions. And what happened was is our Sinful passions worked in our members, and what happened is we, bore, we were bearing fruit unto death because we were under the law, but now we're no longer under the law. Amen? We've been made free in Christ. Thank God for grace. Romans 6, verse 11, sums it up. It says, count yourself dead to sin and alive to God. 
count yourself dead to sin and alive to God. The Greek, uh, the word here, reckon in the Greek word. Uh, you can pronounce that however you like to. You can see it there on the screen. But the Greek word uh, here for reckon is, is this Greek word. And it's a mathematical term and it means precise accounting. Now, I know in the South, a lot of times people say, well, I reckon, you know, I'm going to go down to the creek today. I reckon I'm going to go do this or whatever. That's just kind of a casual saying. But this right here is not, this word reckon is not something that's taken lightly. It doesn't mean, you know, maybe or we might go there or reckon it's going to do this. No, it's a precise mathematical term and it means it's as good as done as money in the bank. <laughs> it's as good as done and as money in the bank. You can count on it as a direct deposit into your account. It's a fact to believe, but if you don't, uh, it is a fact to believe, but if you don't believe it, then you don't count on it and you won't withdraw it or you won't write a check. You don't live in the reality that you're dead to sin. Romans 6, 11 tells the truth that we are to believe in, in the King James Version. It says, reckon yourselves dead to sin. It's money in the bank. You can count on it. But if we don't believe it, we already mentioned this, if we don't believe it, we won't withdraw, we can't write a check, and so we don't live in the reality of the truth that we're dead to sin and freed from it. Our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. That's Romans 6.6. 6. What then does Paul mean by the old man? The old man is the man I used to be in Adam. It's the man I used to be, but which I am no longer. That's Martin Lloyd-Jones. If you know the old man died, the self you used to be, you'll experience freedom in Christ. Now, why does that happen? Because you're a new person and you're free. You're free no matter how you feel or how you act. See, if you look at it as a finished work and it's already done in Christ, then we're free no matter how we feel or how we act. The fact that this freedom's been provided, it doesn't matter how you feel or how you act, the freedom's already there. Just like Houdini. He was in that jail cell. He had given up, but freedom was right there. He didn't even know it. It had already been provided. So what's missing? Only faith and believing the truth. That's all it is, is believe and receive. Glory to God. The old self is crucified, dead, and gone, and it is no more. Colossians 3.10 says that we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of our creator. But you don't feel like it. Well, so what? It is the truth and the real reality. Will you believe God or believe your feelings? I don't necessarily feel like I'm saved. And I'm a child of God, but I am, and so are you. I remember woke up before you said, I just, don't, I just don't feel like I'm saved today. You ever felt that way? You ever woke up on a Sunday morning and said, I just, I just don't even really feel like a Sunday. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> we don't go by our feelings. We're a child of God. We're born again. We're new creations no matter what our feelings say. has nothing to do with it. Amen. So no matter what you do or you don't do or how you feel, Christ is your life and you're dead to sin and you're freed from it. Well, why don't you act like it? Because you're believing a lie based on your feelings. Amen. So when people don't act like they're free or live like they're free, it's because they're believing a lie and acting on a lie based on their feelings. Amen. Or like we discussed a little while ago, they have the uh, flesh patterns. And even that, is, they're believing a lie because they're believing the lie that if I go do this, it's going to meet a need that I have, but it's still apart from Christ. So we'll finish up right here tonight. Uh, 
Are you living a lie? It says, are you engaging in addictive behavior? Or if you are engaging in addictive behavior, then you're living in deception and believing Satan's lie. Why would someone who is a child of God, who is unconditionally loved, dead to sin and freed from it, live that way? Only if he's believing a lie about himself, that, is, that he's a sinner and in bondage to sin. If he only believes, or if one only believes that they're an alcoholic or an addict, etc., whatever we believe we are, and that is the way that we live. So whatever we believe we are, that's the way we're going to live. You understand that? So if we believe we're an addict or a sinner, then we're going to live that way. If we believe that we're whatever it is, if we believe that, then that's the way that we're going to live. That's the reason we help not only ourselves, but we help others believe that they're what? Brand new creations in Christ Jesus, that they're righteous, that they're holy, that they're spotless, that without blame. It's either the truth or it's not. I know, I know religious people don't like to hear that, but it's either based on the finished work of Christ and what he did, or it's based on what we can do. So it's the truth, amen? So the bottom line is about addiction is deception. The bottom line about addiction is deception. Most Christians live in deception. They bought the lie about their feelings, circumstances, and most Christians tell, uh, and what most Christians tell them. It's a lie from the pit of hell that sin rules them and keeps them in bondage of addiction. Most likely the biggest lie that Satan tells us is that we're separated from God. Now listen to that just a minute. We're almost done. Most likely the biggest lie that Satan tells people that are dealing with addiction is that when they sin or when they fall back or when they take a drink or when they take a hit or when they shoot up or whatever it is, the biggest lie that Satan tells them is that they're separated from God. That he turns their back on him. That's the biggest lie from the pit of hell. We beg and we pray and we ask God to deliver us and we don't believe what he's done and who we are in Christ. And then what happens? Nothing changes. Because we've bitten into the lie and taken the lie. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. We are free. The person that does that, they're free. Freedom has been provided. You say, well, why are they still doing that? Well, the freedom in Christ has already been provided. They haven't believed it. Amen? They hadn't believed it and come to the revelation of the fact that I've already been made free. That I see myself free. That I don't identify with my old ways, but I identify with the new man that I am in Christ. That the old man is dead. We don't have time to get there tonight, but uh, just three or four pages over, it's got the uh, tombstone there, and it talks about having a, a white funeral. And to put your name on there, it says, Here lies my old self, born again in Adam, such and such date, and died in Christ on such and such date. Amen? And that's that, that's that identity, that the old man is gone. Let's have a funeral and get rid of him. Amen. So we'll close with this scripture. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Amen. Amen. We'll pick back up next Wednesday. Is that correct? Hallelujah. And uh, if you know someone that uh, needs to hear these truths, invite them. Amen. And uh, like I said, you've got the resources out on the table. If you need another book on the... Uh, the one that we're actually using for the study, we can order some. Just let us know, and we'll get those on the way. Amen. Let me read a verse to you real quick. we got just a minute. Uh, he was talking about 1 Corinthians 6. Talking about those who do this, 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 and this, and this won't inherit the kingdom of God. And such for some of you, but that's not who you are, right? Here's the other verse that gets uh, brought up a lot to those who minister 
the new covenant of grace to say, well, what y'all teach can't be right because here it is. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, if you want to look at it. Um, this will help you. This will really help someone. Remember me telling the story about a friend I went to school with and got saved and he was an alcoholic and went to church and got saved and in church all his life and repented of everything he could think of and went back home a couple of days later fell again came uh, intoxicated called the church upset and crying about 30 something years old uh when I say intoxicated, I mean this guy's already on disability because of alcohol in his 30s. He can't work. He can't keep his hands shaking. He can't drive. He takes a bus everywhere he goes. And the pastor said, well, buddy, you didn't get saved then. Because saved people don't do that. And he said, I'm a complete failure. Went home, wrote a note to his mother, apologized to everybody, said, but I can't live with me because I hate me. And took a 10 inch steak, steak knife and put it right through his heart. <clears throat> Watch here. Uh, here. Here's the verse that bothers the uh, people, religious people. It's Hebrews ten twenty six. Now he'd already contrasted the whole chapter ten is talking about two covenants, two priesthood, the priest of the old covenant and Jesus being the high priest. It says one priest came sometimes daily, but they came yearly. Remember, and would bring the the sacrifice, the, the goat or bull, a perfect one, the best you could get, offer the blood, type and shadow. God never wanted that. He said there was fault with that. Jesus said in this verse right here, Father, you never wanted this. You never wanted burnt offerings and sacrifices. You have prepared for yourself a body. He was the body. He was the sacrifice. Hebrews 10 tells you it was Jesus who would come one. He would do it one time for all people. One sacrifice, he would not be like the priest of the old covenant who would have to come back day after day or year after year because if, if that's the way it worked, he'd have to keep coming back and going to Calvary. And he's not doing that. So it sufficed. So it, it tells the whole chapter of, of the new covenant how good it is Then all of a sudden it messes religious people up with verse 26. After, after it contrasts, said there's, well, in even verse 17 it says, and after all this, your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Well, there's, uh, verse 19, where we're, now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin because it's taken care of, right? You see it? Well, how? Because verse 19, uh, having therefore we have boldness to enter into the holies of the blood of Jesus. Oh, that's good. Verse 20, how by a new living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Goes through all that and tells us how wonderful the new covenant is. And you go down to verse 26, it says, But if you, if you sin willfully after you receive the knowledge of the truth, there's, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. If you just took that literally. Well, you don't have to raise your hands. Since you've been born again, have you, have you sinned? Maybe even willfully one time? No sacrifice. All y'all going to hell. Me too. I mean, the ones who want to use this first are thinking, do you, you realize what you're saying to yourself? Have you seen one time? There's no more sacrifice for you. You say, well, now wait a minute. The whole chapter talked about the new covenant and what Jesus has done one time for all people. And, uh, and um, so you say, well, what's the answer? Well, that's not what he's talking about at all. 
Listen to this in the uh, in the Living Bible. It says, I have to go really quick here. It says, uh, it's right here. Uh, I'm just going. He says he cancels the first system in favor of a far better one. Verse ten. Under the new plan, we have been forgiven and made clean. This is the living, not not new living, but the living. Under the new plan, we have been forgiven. And you are clean. You are clean. You're, you don't stand up and say, I'm a this. Uh, I, I'm an addict. You are clean. You had not been clean for seven days or four months and three days, two hours, 14 seconds. No, man, you are clean. Jesus said, told his disciples, John 15, he said, because of the word, you are cleansed. You are, you are clean. You say, well, they're not clean. They're still doing that. They're clean. Spirit, soul, and body. You got to understand there's a difference between the spirit, the soul, and the body. Right? I mean, even when you take a baby and first it, you put it in a high chair, it, it reaches down and puts everything in its mouth, you know, with its hands all over the place. And then you're trying to graduate to a little baby spoon, trying to get them to make the curve. <laughs> and they do that for a little while, but after a while you ain't around, they said, forget that. <laughs> and then you say, no, no, no. You wiped your face off and it takes a while to get there, right? Before you can change the behavior, you got to change how they think. Because that doesn't look too great at the restaurant when they're 24. <laughs> and the food's everywhere. And they won't use a, a fork or a spoon. Same thing. All right. Uh, so under the new plan, we've been forgiven. We are clean. Verse 11, new living. Or the living says, under the old agreement, the priest would stand before the altar day after day. He would offer sacrifices that would never take away their sins. Hmm. But Christ gave himself to God for our sins as one sacrifice for all time. Then he sat down in the place of the highest honor at God's right hand, waiting for his enemies to be laid under his feet. For by that one offering, excuse me, get the gum in my mouth. By that one offering he made forever perfect in the sight of God those whom he is make holy. Not only are they clean, they're perfect. They're perfect. Hmm? Once again, we're the body of Christ. God did speak, put a spiritual head and stick it on a, a flesh mess. We are spirit. Okay, now verse 15. And the Holy Spirit testifies that this is so, for he said, this is the agreement I will make with the people of Israel. Though they broke the first agreement, I'll write my laws in their minds, and they will know my will, and I'll put it in their heart. That's what you're doing. You're putting it in their heart, and then they'll want to obey it. I'll put it in the heart so they'll, I, I'm going to provide the ability to want to obey it. You're going to get that at AA. I'm going to put something in that makes them want to do it. Huh? And then he adds, verse 17, and I'm never, gonna, I'm never again going to remember their sins and lawless deeds. So why would you stand up every week and remember it? Now where sins have been forgiven and, oh gosh. Now, we, um, we may have charged double for this tonight. If I read that, we're going to have to, with that and this, it just. Now when sins have once been forgiven, forever forgiven and forgotten, there's no need to offer more sacrifices to get rid of them. And so, dear brothers, now we may walk right into the very holy of holies. Where God is, huh? Where God is, not pastor, God. Because of what? The blood of Jesus. Not because you got it right this week. 
This is the fresh, new, life-giving way that Christ has opened up for us by tearing the curtain, which is, was his human body, to let us in to the holy presence of God. He tore the flesh so we could come right on in him. Oh, man, I love this. Mm. And since this great high priest of ours rules over God's household, let us go right into God. Let us go right into God himself. Let us go right into God. Didn't say church. Let us go right into God himself with true hearts, fully trusting him to receive us because we have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean because our bodies have been washed with pure water. So anyway, so it goes on to say all that good stuff, right? Then you get to verse 26 and you say, but if you sin, well, willfully, there's nothing to do for you. Now what? Now what? You changed the deal on me, right? So now listen to the living Bible. If anyone sins deliberately, you wonder, here's their sin. If anyone sins deliberately, this is the sin by rejecting the Savior. Not by taking a drink. Not by smoking some reefer. You say, well, you don't think that's important? Yes, but we're talking about how you get to that place. So you're still focusing on what they're doing and you're thinking the other way or what they're not doing. If anyone sins deliberately, in other words, here's what, what Paul was telling, this is what Christ has done for you. But if you reject it, there's nothing else to offer you. That's all he's talking about. This is what Christ has done this is the new covenant. Forget the old covenant. But if, you, but if you sin willfully by rejecting Jesus, what else can we offer you? Do, you? do you know of anything? Buddha? Muhammad? I mean, go one of those dudes, right? If anyone sins delivered by rejecting the Savior after knowing the truth of forgiveness, this sin will not be covered by Christ's death. He can't cover that one. You don't come to him, he can't cover it. There is no way to get rid of it. There'll be nothing to look forward to but terrible punishment of God's awful anger, which will consume all his enemies. A man who refuses to a man who refused to obey the laws given by Moses under the old covenant was killed without mercy if there was two witnesses to his sin. So two people said he did it. No mercy. You did. I'm glad I'm in the new covenant, aren't you? Think how much more terrible the punishment will be for those who trample underfoot the Son of God. You treat his cleansing blood as though it were common and unhallowed and insult and outrage the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to his people. That's what he's talking about. See, they're rejecting Christ. He's not talking about they fell back into a flesh pattern. You know, and so this, this gets pulled... This, you know, ministers sometimes will take that verse to something they want you to do and say, now I've told you the truth. It's my job to tell you the truth. This is right and this is wrong. And if you keep on doing this, there'll be no mercy for you. And, oh, it, it'll be terrible. Now, and then they'll pull it over here to what they want you to do and put the two together to scare the hell out of you. Or to take you to hell. Right over the flames, hot as it can get. I mean, Christ's death won't cover this. Now, you're going to tie the knot. I've told you. Hmm? Do you think he was talking about Malachi 3 here? 
about tithing? <laughs> no. No. He's talking about the new birth or through Christ or won't be at all. Amen. This thing's amazing. It's amazing. 